I'm Mitch Ben, and you may have thought I'd gotten away, but no, I'm still confined to barracks. As indeed are we all for the foreseeable future. Thank you for joining me for this edition of Confined to Barracks. Sorry there's been a bit of a delay in getting this one out. I hope uh, that normal service is being resumed herewith. Joining me today via a slightly stop-and-starty Skype connection is the writer, broadcaster, general good person, and the host of one of my favourite podcasts, you might recall, the Hammer House of Podcast, Lizbeth slash Liz slash LM Miles, depending on where you're Googling her. And you join us as we're discussing which of those names you'd prefer me to use. Uh, yeah. Liz, you prefer Liz? Uh, Liz is great. Liz Thank you. Fine. You've got things you want to recommend to the folks out there in podcast land, so let's just want to... <laughs> books or books. Yes. What, I'm, what I'm reading at the moment is very much comfort reading. I don't uh-huh. want to read shiny new things that could have unexpected horrors or bad stuff happening to characters that I don't know is coming or, or you know th- things like that I don't want dramatic tension in my reading or my television or my gaming or anything this is there's there's enough <laughs> of that life. in the real yes. world <laughs> yeah so I'm I'm reading one of my favorite fantasy novels which is called Guns of the Dawn by Adrian Tchaikovsky his famous book now is is Children of Time which won yeah. the Arthur C. Clarke award and is Gosh, lovely sequels, and it's all very delightful, and it's a brilliant book, but this is my favourite one, which, to my constant distress, was not successful enough to have a sequel, so I just constantly hope that he's going to be successful enough that he can therefore write whatever the heck he likes and <laughs> be pressured into writing a sequel to Guns of the Dog. Well, there you go. I take it it's not in the Children of Time universe then. It's oh, no, no. It is, this is fantasy. And right. it's like um, if Sharp was crossed with Pride and Prejudice. Oh, my. Okay. Is the, is the idea. Um, there's, it's a secondary world, uh, but it's, it's very much um, early 19th century. All the dudes are out there fighting until there are no more men left. The war is still going on. What do they wow. do? They start recruiting women, much like the Bennett sisters, heading off to war. Oh, and fantastic. Fighting in a big swamp. So there's the, the delights of war and uh, 19th century society adjusting to the fact there are women on the front lines, as well as a beautiful, beautiful romance that is very austin-y and it just it delights me so much it's one of my favorite romances in any novel and honestly i just want more of that it's just so comforting because i don't know it just makes me very very happy in the way that i think people who are usually romance readers get from a lot of their romance books but for every reason because i like my um, either spaceships or fireballs being thrown um you don't get so often that kind of comfort from the central romance in fantasy uh-huh. or sci-fi but here it is and there's magic wizards so it's it's a oh, little fantastic. it's a little delicious ball of delight and i know everything that happens so i'm not scared about people dying that I don't want to die, who I don't know already die. So that's Guns of the Dawn by, by the great Adrian Tchaikovsky. Yeah, okay, well, yeah. You, you heard it here first, folks. Everybody go read Guns of the Dawn. Yes. It's on Spike in Cells, and the publisher will think, oh, perhaps yes. you underestimated this, this one. My- Adrian, Adrian. <laughs> I, I, I do yes. often buy it as presents for people. 
That's one way. <laughs> so, what else have you got for us? Yeah, the other one I'm I'm reading that I actually do intend to read another one in the series that is fresh and new and hopefully isn't too scary is uh, Planetfall by Emma Newman, which is science right. fiction. And it's in a, oh God, it's, it's too close to home now thinking about the Earth, but in a horrible dystopic corporation-run future thing, some people pop off to another planet and they're sort of like a cultish light, like they're not a scary cult. One of them, the leader, thinks maybe God is chilling out on this planet and it will give them all the answer things. And things go a bit wrong. They make a little colony and they're just, you know, casually living there. And our main character is, is a little bit messed up may have post-traumatic stress disorder because it's 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 told in first person it's it is very small scale you know it's just what's happening to these people on this one planet even if they might discover the answer to a fundamental question about life it's very cozy and and intimate and we care about this handful of characters and small things that happen a lot in a way that's just makes me feel weirdly safe even though even though things are kind of falling apart a little bit and it's got some really interesting ideas about social changes and technological changes and there's a bunch of books in this universe look everybody out there read whatever it makes you read whatever it takes to help you get through this okay yes. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you if you want to wallow in plague stories in some kind of weird cathartic way <laughs> then you go right ahead and do it and if you if you want to read mr men books and hit up back on, <laughs> oh, on, on box. oh some that, classic cartoons might be nice some classic 80s cartoons or just going on yeah. youtube and listening to 80s cartoon theme songs <laughs> i think that would really help as well right now what else have you got for us exactly um uh, tell you eyes yeah. obviously people are binge watching stuff and yeah. you've got all the time in the world so this is time to explore if you're in Britain, a proper piece of British heritage. Yes. The most important British television programme ever made Which in its is? purest form. Oh, it's Doctor Who. Of course it is. Of course. <laughs> yes, of course yes. And beautifully, beautifully, the timing couldn't be better because BritBox has started, you get a free month, and wow. it has all of Classic Who on it. Oh so instead word. of spending hundreds or thousands of pounds on collecting the VHS or the DVD or the Blu-rays, which yeah. some people might have done all three, yeah. um, you can now just get it for a month for nothing and after that for like five or six pounds, which yeah. is pretty nice. And moreover, if it's one of those stories where you get one episode in and think, uh-oh, then you haven't spent 15 quid for the three that you're now not going to bother watching. <laughs> Yes, that is also true. <laughs> but this is magnificent. This is three decades worth of telly, which, you know, you might you might have enjoyed the new Doctor Who. Where does all this come from? What do things mean? Have I got two and a half hours to waste on a story that is many ways like relaxing wallpaper? Yes, you do now. Yes, you do. Or you might want to watch some of the stuff that's actually regarded to be quite good. You know, yeah. one, one or the other. But whatever Absolutely. your mood, whatever your favourite genre, there is a story out there for you, provided you don't hate 60s, 70s or 80s television and it's aggressive <laughs> pacing. I, I suspect I'm a fair bit older than you. Doctor Who was cancelled when I was initially when I was nineteen, mm -hmm. going on twenty. So can I be so indelicate as to ask whether you were even around at the time? I was a toddler when it was cancelled, possibly. Right. right. Um, so this but, is something you've come to entirely in retrospect. Yes. Yeah. Um, I my my mum is a fan, and right. she has been watching since the very first episode. So to my 
Constance jealousy is actually seen every single Doctor Who episode. Wow, uh, including the ones that will never be seen again. Including all the missing episodes. Um, uh-huh. And it's like, I, I remember one, one of the missing episodes, one called uh, The Web of Fear. The whole thing turned up only, God, how long is it going now? It feels like yesterday, but it's probably a couple of years now. Yeah, I think it was and a couple of years ago, yeah. I remember calling her up and describing it. And it's like, it's back, it's back, it's so exciting. And she was like, The Underground, Yeti. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. No yeah. one's just seen it. It's, it's, it's like, you've seen it. It was 40 years ago. Why don't you yeah. care? It's like, no, no, I've, I've seen it. I'm not repeat watching television. It's like, okay, <laughs> but, fine, whatever. Now everyone gets to see it. But um, yeah, so she was a big fan. And uh, in, in the 90s, uh, at a young age, she decided to uh, inflict Doctor Who on me via the VHSs. To teach you in the ways of Doctor Who. Yes. He, not, not intensely. She just thought, oh, you, you might like it. It's quite a, it's quite a good show. So I, it was um, a Tom Baker one's called uh, The Saturn Experiment, Genesis of the Daleks. Ah. And so I just ended up watching them over and over and over again. That's because a perfect I place to jump in. freaking loved it. It is. The thing about Tom, the thing about Tom which I think distinguishes yeah. him from pretty much all the Doctors thus mm-hmm. far is all the Doctors, you can believe that they're not from Earth. You can yeah. believe that they are, in fact, an ancient and infinitely wise alien. Uh-huh. With Tom, it never even occurs to you that he might be from Earth. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's just patently not from Earth. So, we should keep this moving on because otherwise we're literally <laughs> going to be here all day. So that is your recommendation TV-wise is get yes, Brit yep, and yep. bury yourself in classic who. Yes. Please do. <laughs> You'll love remember, it. Yes. There are no duds in there. <laughs> oh, don't know about that. I am... Um, <laughs> I will defend Doctor Who to the grave, but, you know, even I've seen Power and Crawl. I, um... <laughs> it's hilarious! My pet hates Monster of Peladon. I, right. You know, I don't oh. think I've ever seen Monster of Peladon. I've seen Curse, and I don't think I've ever seen Monster. Curse is good. Monster, you just, by the end, are wanting to stab your pen into the back of your hand for something to right. do. Podcasty things. Yeah. Listening things. Um, I you shall plug be, yours, but I did that already. So uh, I, I've got to plug them again, just in case. Okay, um, I have two regular podcasts at the moment. One, as we may have mentioned, is Hammer House of Podcasts, um, mm. which I do with Paul Cornell, who has written Doctor Who and stuff. He won't appreciate me saying that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it, once you've written Doctor Who, then you're somebody who writes Doctor Who and stuff. <laughs> Even if the and stuff is like, you know, Hugo winning novels. We uh, are discussing the Hammer Horror movies from uh, the Quatermass Experiment through to The Devil of Daughter. And uh, we're two and a bit years in now. And uh, we release a podcast. That shows, that shows remarkable commitment, I've got to say. I mean, you must have counted them when you started. Thought, Wait, yeah. we're going to be here for about five years. Yeah, on the website is a list going up to, I think it's 2023. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember Paul said that to me. I was like, what the? Are we going to be here then? Are we going to still be talking then? This is this is very optimistic. Um, but yeah, so I know what I'm doing podcasting for the next three years. So we release one every month of them in order, two and a half years. That's, I don't know how many are now, 26 or something. And we also do a second one every month for the Patreon supporters as a kind thank you and as an excuse to watch more horror movies. Um, yeah. we, did, we did a bunch of amicuses and I don't know what we're doing now. I don't 
choose I, I don't pay attention that's not my job well there's like there's the Tygon movies now yes Tygon, yes that's there? what we're doing that's correct the yes. Tygon movies that's right I'm all, glad. These, all these kind of Hammer's rival studios in the 60s yeah. and 70s had sprung up yeah. yes and Hammer's rivals often employed Hammer's actors like the yes. so it's an absolute delight and we also do movies for Patreons who request a horror movie I think what are rules something like either has to be a horror movie or something that's been done by Hammer because Hammer also did non-horror movies unbelievably mm-hmm. and so there's <laughs> including a, the On the Buses movie which you've oh all my can't believe I didn't hate it. That's my <laughs> takeaway from that. It's like I should really hate this, but I don't. I, it's been really cool actually seeing some seventies movies um, and ones that from from like their posters. So many posters like completely misrepresent the movie. Yeah. It makes me think this is going to be horrific and awful. And it and turns the out the movie's fantastic. One of my favourites is Vault of Horror for the simple reason that it's yes. all shot around where I used to live in Richmond. <gasps> ah, the Vampire Restaurant. Yes is in a street I used to live in, in Richmond upon Sands. <gasps> wow. Uh, it's, it, it, at the time, it was a laundrette. Okay. What it actually was was a laundrette. The Vampire Restaurant in Vault of Horror was a laundrette in Richmond upon Thames. That is actually opposite the house that Daniel Massey looks at it from. Mm. Uh, that house is there. When they cut to that location, he's standing in front of a weird sort of garage, which is a, a sort of a diagonal angle to the road. And that's how I instantly recognize mm-hmm. so, so they got rid of the laundry about 10 years ago. And and it's it's now just somebody's house. So I, I won't actually say where it is because I'll just have fanboys glaring into the windows. <laughs> this is the vampire restaurant from Vault of Horror. <laughs> but at the end, when Tom Baker's running around trying to get a taxi and he ends up getting run over, that's on yeah. Sheen High Street. Mm-hmm. That's that's a little way out of Richmond upon Thames towards Putney. It's got a dinky little cenotaph in the middle of it, which actually gets a a pretty good beauty pass at one point. So yeah, that's where all that. So yeah, I like Vault of Horror because it's all shot round places I know. I, I sympathise with the hey, this feels made out here because um, obviously it's got many a bajillion other positives, but the Wicker yes. Man made around here. So it's like Absolutely. the only film that was made at largely in Southwest Scotland. I've we heard of. Of so uh, I we like that. House of Fleet pretending to be somewhere off in the Hebrides. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, yes. it's it's mostly down here. So I, know, uh, I, I get know. I get quite excited when I spot locations like that. And I didn't. And I've been there a couple of times, but I only found that out since the last time I've been there. We used to have it. It got cancelled a couple of years ago because I think, unfortunately, the organizer uh, passed away. But oh. for many years, we used to have a music festival called. The Wickerman Festival, uh, which just took <laughs> it took place a couple of miles away from here, and uh, of course they had a giant Wickerman. Of course, set on fire <laughs> with, with no with no coppers inside it. Hopefully, we don't yeah. know. I don't know if anyone <laughs> ever checked, but um, we presume there was nobody in, and no unfortunate animals inside it. Which is yeah. like that. That's nice. We're we're celebrating the movie. Being kind of scary. You've recommended your own podcast. You want to recommend? Anyone? Oh yeah, yeah, yes. I'll just recommend Verity as well. If you're a Doctor Who fan and you want people to talk about random Doctor Who stuff, um, we have eight or seven, I forget, years of stuff, which is a weekly podcast going back forever, talking about anything to do with Doctor Who. Occasionally having interviews with various uh, women who have worked for Doctor Who. What other nonsense we do? We really sometimes play ridiculous games and things there's 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 a whole load of stuff it's it's great i've never listened to any of it but i'm assured <laughs> it's not terrible well no, no i've listened to the episodes i'm not on i haven't listened to my episodes because i can't i can't listen to myself speaking it sounds terrible but yeah so that but 
during these this delightful lockdown, what I have been doing is re-listening to Cabin Pressure, which is a magnificent radio show written and starring John Finnemore with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Roger Allam and Stephanie Cole. And it's about this tiny, tiny airline or air dot of one airplane and the pilots and owner and their exciting adventures. And it's so funny. It's so ridiculously funny. It's just wrong. And it's it's got three seasons, a beautiful Christmas special and... I, I can't remember even how I got convinced to listen to it or something. I think someone told me, I think I was told that Roger Allen was in it and I freaking love Roger Allen. So that was what I was tricksied into it. And uh, I got reminded about it because John Finnemore is doing Cabin Fever yes, he's doing on the YouTubes yes. where his character is on lockdown. So he's doing little He's playing Episodes. Arthur, isn't he? Yes, and it's yeah. like, oh my God. So he's, after that... He's just sort of adorably innocent, isn't yes, he? Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Arthur's super innocent. Roger Allen is, is uh, a character who's like uh, superior he's, and... He's Roger Allen. <laughs> yes, he's, yes, it is a quintessential <laughs> he's, he's Roger Allen. Sort of he's sort of laconic and disdainful, isn't he? Yes, yeah. yes. And... Uh, you know better words than me, go on. Yeah. And, and Benedict is well-meaning but a bit pompous and not as clever as he thinks he is. Yes. Oh. Yeah. And of course the weird thing about Cabin Pressure is that Benedict became a massive star right in the middle of it. Yes. Um, Benedict it. went from being the kind of person who turns up in Radio 4 sitcoms to really not the kind of person <laughs> who turns up in Radio 4 sitcoms right in the middle of Cabin Pressure but gamefully used to come back and do it even after he was Sherlock and then when the, by the time they did the last one by which time he was Sherlock and Doctor Strange and every other damn thing that he is these days. <laughs> I know because obviously the radio theatre is a place I know very, very well. And yeah. it seats all of about 300 people. They had, I think, something like half a million ticket applications to go and see the recording <laughs> of the last that. ever Cabin Pressure starring Benedict. God damn them. They should filter out the Cabin Pressure fans from the Cumberbatch fans. <laughs> I'm not yeah, gatekeeping. Other that, I just, just record it in Wembley Stadium. I'm, you know, I'm not gatekeeping. <laughs> I just, I, I just know how I'd feel if I was a fan from the very beginning of something like that happened. I would be full of anger and bitterness, which is wrong and terrible, and I recognise that. But also, I accept that I would be like that. Yes. So that's 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 your audio stuff. What else are we talking about? Um, so, something to do with a skill or something? Yeah, I tried to sound sophisticated, which it was kind of true and I am trying to improve my uh, calligraphy um, which uh, yeah I started doing it because I'm terrible at any sort of art and I also have terrible handwriting and I thought maybe this is the thing maybe this is the artistic thing that I can do and well I've improved but it's still pretty bad and I have been doing a bit of it more than usual but honestly what I've been doing what skill I've really been improving under lockdown is getting more achievements in video games. Right. I think it's been going brilliantly. Um, I think Which ones? That, uh, it's Skyrim, uh, Elder Scrolls Skyrim, mostly at right. the moment. Um, big open world RPG, be a wizard or an archer, shoot stuff, explore dungeons, get loot. And I think, I think this is a great time to either get into a new video game or finish up all that stuff you wish you'd done you know you you need all those achievements all those little ticky boxes no matter how difficult they are or you haven't really finished the game 
um, or it could just be me, you know. Um, Are we talking about achievements in games or achievements outside in the, the, sort of the physical world? No, achievements in games, not real oh, right. achievements. Okay, fine. No, yeah. not, re- not real achievements, just a little box tick in the game that ah, says, like, right. okay, I have completed this mission or I have completed this mission without being killed once. That kind of thing. That kind of deep and meaningful thing. No, I haven't done real world stuff. I really would love a new game to play, but nothing is is properly pinging. Though I have now started playing actual people games with other people that I actually know in real life. We've got a bunch of board games are online, like Ticket to Ride and other ones that I can't remember the name of because I don't really play board games. But turns Mm -hmm. out they're quite good. Some of them are, yeah. Yeah, so that's yeah. a that's a really actually that's a great thing to do. Improve how you can your uh, knowledge of board games by playing with people online. They're really it was surprisingly straightforward. I thought it'd be really annoying or something because uh, I often find converting stuff from like one format to another certainly from uh, games from the from consoles to PCs uh, and I play on PC. I usually find incredibly irritating, but you know they've been great. And also Jackbox is another thing to play with a whole bunch of friends that's super straightforward and and easy. And if you if you Google it, it's like party games, like trivia or short, funny game things. And it's just it's just nice because you don't see people at the moment. And ah. it's very it's nice to see the faces of people that you know. They say words at you and they move and okay or a picture on a screen, but on the other end of that screen, they're still real. And it reminds you that yes, you're not alone, you're connected by electricity and the internet. Yeah, I've been FaceTiming my mum because she's on her own in Liverpool and oh. that's kind of, well, that's kind of eating me alive right now. On the one hand, you're getting that kind of, that weird impulse, I should go up there, I should be going up there to look after, I think, wait a minute, I'm way more likely to give her the virus than anybody <laughs> else she knows because I'm the one who's been down in London getting on and off tube trains until about two Ooh. weeks coughing all over me. Even if I could be certain that I didn't have it, even if I could get, get myself tested, then I'd have to not touch anything while the results are coming in and then I've got the clear i'd have to somehow make it up to liverpool without touching anything yeah um we are living in interesting times but there are worse times for this to have happened the, the technology that is available to us yeah is I, I actually don't... making life i think more bearable than it might otherwise be in, in lots yeah, of ways even you know 30 years ago if it, it'd be i don't know i mean i assume you used to not having the internet kind of thing but also oh, i remember not having the internet yes i remember that i just don't remember it i'm still slightly freaked out by the fact that i can have grown-up conversations with people who don't remember a world without the internet yes you know? I, I i still get because I, I think my generation is like the last one that remembers the world pre-internet yeah, um, so anyone yeah. slightly younger than me is like there's a whole distance there. They're like a different species I know. in many to them, ways. To them, it must be like trying to imagine a world without smell. Yes, it's just, yeah. It's like, <laughs> how did you communicate with people or, or yeah. God? Or what did you do? How did your lives live? What happened when you needed to look something up even? Yeah, like, exactly. We used to have encyclopedias. Exactly. Well, I mean, I remember um, having this conversation with Tim Worthington when I did the Looks Unfamiliar podcast. And one mm-hmm. of the things I brought up was the fact that 
I didn't realize that a particular single by the police had been forgotten. They remade Don't Stand So Close to Me in 1986. They did a very, they released a radically different re-recording. Exactly. And that I didn't realize had been forgotten. And I remember at the time hearing that the rumor had been, because it was the lead single off their Best of album, which Mm -hmm. was about and I remember hearing at the time a rumour that the original plan had been to remake all of them and so that mm-hmm. rather than just putting out a best of they were going to put a sort of an album of cover versions of all their own hits you know, <laughs> uh, like different versions of all of them but they only ever got around to doing that one and then I suddenly occurred to me wait a minute where did I hear that rumour in 1986 how did rumours work in 1986 oh, God, I know yeah. how rumours work now I know how rumours happen somebody says something on Twitter or Facebook and if you want to figure out if it's true you do a bit of googling yeah. And I'm thinking, how did rumours happen back then? Yeah. Who we did have... I hear that from and where had they heard it? It's yeah. Weird. We have yeah, we have <laughs> other problems with information now, but yeah. there, we kind of forget the problems with information there were beforehand. Like Indeed. how did how did people function? <laughs> well, this yeah. is it, but I think it's I was one of the people who was affected by the great virgin media blackout of just before Christmas where mm-hmm. they ripped up some cables in New Malden and I lost my broadband for about three days. Uh-huh. And I found that completely disorientating. The internet wasn't a thing until I was in my mid-twenties. I'm very, very used to the idea of a world without internet. Even now, when I am confronted in the here and now with a world without internet, for me, it's like losing a limb. So I just think it must be completely unfathomable to the kids who've grown up with pretty much the sum total of human knowledge on tap at all times. Yeah, and it's not just knowledge, it's like, and books, you can just instantly Mm. buy a book or television or films or art. You can just instantly look at every great piece of art humanity has made and is still available and hasn't been destroyed. It's like, what? That's but it's so bizarre the effect that it has on your own expectations because I did a routine about this a couple of years ago that uh-huh. do you find that you experience a moment's genuine indignation if something you're looking for isn't on YouTube yeah well you're yeah. Like, what the hell's going on come on what the hell am I not paying anybody for I admit not on YouTube but I do get indignant at books that aren't available as as an ebook. Yeah. I just that annoys the crap out of me. It's like I don't care how old the book is; yeah. it darn well better be available. What the hell is the matter with people? Yeah, exactly. I said the one I experienced a few years ago. Now was for some reason I had a, a strange desire to see Stardust, not the Neil Gaiman one from about ten years ago, the David Essex one from the early seventies, right? Okay. So the first thing I do, oh, you never know. Have a look. Sometimes you find the whole thing up on YouTube. All right, it's not on YouTube. Fair enough. All right. Um, obviously, it's it's sometimes really weird stuff can turn up at right at the bottom end of Netflix. But no, it's not there. You know, and then I think, all right, I don't mind paying for it. Let's see if it's on Amazon. It's not on Amazon video. Okay, fair enough. Maybe it's on ICNG. And I'm actually getting quite annoyed now. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. eventually I find it in a box set with That'll Be the Day, the film to which it is a sequel on eBay, on DVD for about eight quid. So I order it on, e- on, on eBay. And now I'm genuinely quite angry mm-hmm. because, like, I'm going to have to wait maybe 48, <laughs> 72 hours. For this thing to come through my Alexa, which I'm going to have to then pick up off the floor and walk into another room and put it into a machine. And like, what the hell's all this? What is this? The seventies? Yeah, no, I completely understand. This it's, is this bizarre. Is, this you know, this, the, the yeah. level of expectation yeah. one has. You know, I should have everything I want immediately. Yeah, numerous times for getting the horror movies, I'm like, 
why is this not available just for me to get on video on, on YouTube or, or Prime or something? How can like, I not why make this I got by pressing two buttons? Yes, why yes. have I got to look for the DVD? Why is there no DVD? Why why is it out of print? Why do I have to buy a box set of four DVDs and only want to watch one of them? Why is this £50? It's, it's just... an outrage. Yes. But I, say, I remember thinking back to the hoops that we used to have to jump through back in the uh -huh. 80s to see something like Clockwork Orange. It was like buying crack. You had to know a guy who knew a, yeah, guy, yeah. Who knew a guy. And then eventually you would get hold of this kind of eighth generation sort of German porn visual quality <laughs> standard VHS that yeah, was no, just I, about watchable. And you I, were so made up with it because yes. it was like, ha, 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 yeah, no, I, 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 you know, they tried to deny me Clockwork Orange and I supported <laughs> them, you know. And now as literally I can watch it for free on my phone. Yes. Anytime. That that depresses me. That my well, not depressed exactly. That my phone is a better computer than like the thingy I was bought that spent a lot more like in, in the 1990s. The most pricey yeah. machine you could get is on my sodding phone that I can carry in my hand. The phone can calculate what you need to know to go to the moon. I'm yeah. like, I assume because it's you know it was 1960s technology. They oh, basically yeah. didn't have computers. I presume those were essentially abacuses they were working on. Well, so, I, mean, I, I did recall reading somewhere that like, the, the onboard computing capacity of the lunar module was about as much as it takes to generate a single Windows icon. <laughs> yeah, they basically went to the moon in a van. Why? Why you know? can't we invest all the money in space programs? We could do such cool stuff. Liz, thank you yes. so much. Thank you so much for letting me take up so much of your time. Uh, thank, um, thank you for having me on your, your lovely show. The delightful and fascinating Liz Miles there. Now, I should probably tell you that um, what you've just heard was about a third of the total conversation that Liz and I had. We have quite a few obsessions in common, as you could probably tell, and uh, it didn't take much for us to nerd out. And I was indeed, for the whole recording, very mindful of the fact that we were nerding out like crazy and occasionally having to steer us back towards, you know, the pith and substance of the conversation so that I would get 30 minutes of usable material amid all the dorky esoterica. But if you're up for an hour and a half of dorky esoterica, then the full-length version of that conversation is going to be available um, on my Patreon site exclusively to my Patreon supporters. That's the way we do it. And if you are in a position to do so and you would like to help me continue to put this podcast out and indeed do all the other weird stuff that I do, then please do visit patreon.com slash MitchBen uh, where you can find out how you can do that for as little as one US dollar a month. Yep, it's an American site, so it's all US dollars. And indeed, please continue to support independent creators during these in interesting times. There are ways of doing it that don't cost any money. If you want to go back and listen to the first of these podcasts, I explained some of those back there. Okay, that'll do for now. Hope to get another one of these out for you within the week. Oh, I should say, indeed. Um, our guest next time actually got a fairly major shout-out in the middle of that podcast. If you enjoyed listening to Liz enthusing about the works of the great John Finnamore, then come on back in a few days and hear my conversation with the great John Finnamore because he's my next guest. All right, see you soon.